Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, Gary, I thought I might have you come up here. I was talking to a pastor's wife uh, back there, and I mentioned to her about our new program for pastors, and I didn't know what to tell her. I don't know the details. So would you share about this? Uh, for... Well, this is a brand-new program that actually a pastor from Atlanta came up with, and we thought it was a good idea, so we thought we'd try to implement it. So I'm going to try sharing uh, briefly the details that um, we're, we're trying to sort through. But in a nutshell, if um, you are a pastor and um, you would like to be connected with the school, attend, and, and just hear some of these truths that are out here, what we are making available via our correspondence or online, you can apply and uh, attend and, and take these classes. And if at completion, if you have led a mission trip in the past, if you've been a minister for at least two years, you have some references that will verify that, we will allow your ministry experience and your mission trip to serve as your second year. So that means you could attend basically the first two years, but go through the first year curriculum and receive a certificate of completion that really is like two years of school. And then you will be eligible for ordination. You'll be eligible to attend third year if you so choose. And uh, it's really available for ministers that, you know, sometimes you can't get here because you've got a congregation. And um, it allows you to get connected, stay connected, and hear these truths that we're communicating. So in a nutshell, that's what the program is like. And um, again, we don't have much information. The, the marketing and promotion material is currently being developed. So we are going to have that available on our internet within the next couple of weeks and brochures that if you call in, um, we'll have that available to you over the next couple of weeks. Okay? Good. Thank you, sir. All right. Appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Well, I thought that previous session was powerful. It's awesome. And, you know, this is one of the things that I'd so love to see more people get a hold of, that you don't have to be behind this pulpit to be in ministry. I could not do what I'm doing without Stephen and without all of the people in his department. And they are just as much a part of what I'm doing. Matter of fact, uh, one of the things that Jamie and I just constantly praise the Lord for is to see all of these people who've come up alongside of us who are helping me to fulfill my vision, but it's not me. I'm not doing it. It's all of these other people. It takes a, a team effort to do all of the things that we're doing. You know, they've already answered over 2,000 calls back there this morning and ministered to people. I had some of the prayer ministers come up, and they are just leading dozens of people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of these things are happening, which wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for all of the people that are answering our phones. And we have a concept that you have to be a full-time minister like this to be in full-time ministry, and it's really not true. So I specifically want to mention to those of you who feel like God's stirring you up, and yet you don't have any desire to ever stand behind a pulpit like this. You know what? God's got a place for you in the body of Christ. Jeff and Autumn Dill that uh, Stephen mentioned, they are helping people in the Forgestons and these other people that they've helped. It, it makes a difference. They may not be able to stay in India or in Nepal if it wasn't for someone who had these giftings in the area of video and production and that could help them raise money. And um, there's just, we, it ta we're a body and we all look at uh, the visible parts and everybody wants to be them, but man, it takes so much to make things happen. 
You know, when David Hardesty came to work, he was a um, uh, one of the management people in Sears for 37 years. And when he came on staff, we had 30 employees in 2000 and what would that have been? Four, I guess. We had 30 employees. Now we have like 220 employees. And all of this happened because a man is taking his business expense uh, experience that he's got and putting it into this ministry. And I tell you, we couldn't we couldn't do what we're doing if it wasn't for people like that. And so one of the things we're going to be doing, I don't know if we'll have it by this September, but if not this September, hopefully uh, next year. But we are going to be starting a school of business administration, training up people how to be business administrators, how, people how to run cameras, people how to set up phone centers, uh, accounting, all of these things. If it wasn't for our accountant, we couldn't do the things that we're doing. I tell you, we need to redefine what we call ministry. It's not all standing up here. And as important as this is, and I love it, and I appreciate it, and it's wonderful, but it wouldn't work if it wasn't for all of the other people. And so there are many of you that have a call on your life, but you don't feel called to do what I'm doing, and so you just think, well, this isn't for me. I believe God's called a bunch of you into full-time ministry to take everything that you've got and to use it to help get the gospel out and to change people's lives. Amen? I was walking through the ministry yesterday just talking to people, and, and there were literally people back there just in tears talking about how wonderful it is to see people's lives change. And I said, isn't this something that we get paid to do this? We get paid for changing people's lives. I don't know if you've noticed, but our facility here is just spick and span. It's clean. We've been in this now, so we moved in in 2004, and you know, this facility looks as good with uh, just about across the board as it did the day we moved in. We put a high priority on that God gave this to us. Our partners enabled us to do this, and I, we have our staff get up here, and during uh, things like this, they will arrive at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to clean so that everything will be ready for all of you that are here, that are guests. And we have people that do that, and you know what? That's full-time ministry. It would be communicating something bad and negative if we let this place go to pot. And because we've got a conference going on, uh, you know, we're busy and, and uh, so we just let it go. And you find trash and things all over the place. That wouldn't glorify God. That's not communicating excellence. And so we've got people on our cleaning crew, our security crew. All of the things that go on, every bit of it is ministry. Every bit of it. And there are some of you that just don't value what God has called you to do. But like I was teaching last night, when God gives you a word, it's, it's a word from God and it's powerful. It'll bring fulfillment to you. You will experience joy and peace if you start looking at it and recognizing that God has called you to do something. And it may not be the part that's standing up here visible, but God's got a part for every single one of you. Every one of you. And I just really encourage you to to listen to God, and hopefully this will help broaden your views so that even if you don't feel called to like a pastor or a teacher or something, that you'll recognize that there's all kinds of ways you can serve the Lord. And you need to be prepared to be able to do that. And hopefully you've seen through some of the staff that, man, we've got just a supernatural staff that God has brought here. I was talking to Barry the other day about, man, I'm, I was listening to his testimony and just thinking, here's God working on him 20-something years ago 
to help me and help this school, and God has converged it and brought it together. Stephen, I don't even know how many years ago, 30 years ago or so ago, that God started working on him, gave him all of this experience so that he could come and help me produce our television programs and do all of this. Daniel and, of course, Wendell, a hundred years ago, God's working on him. And it's just amazing what God has done to bring all of these things together. It's awesome. Aren't we blessed? And you know what? I don't... I don't think it's accidental that God brought you here. Some of you may not have realized what campus days were. And you may not have realized that we were going to be encouraging people this much to come to school. And you may feel like, well, this isn't for me. But you know, you'd be surprised. I believe that God is speaking to many of you. And uh, we're just going to see some awesome things happen. And you're laying the groundwork. We're, we're just getting started. My vision is for this school to be 3,000 or more people. Right now, we're around 500. You know, we've got a long ways to go. We're just beginning the process of moving up to Woodland Park and all of these kind of things. And there are many of you that if you were to respond, you would be laying the foundation of those people up there. And uh, I just encourage you to listen to God. I want to share a verse with you out of Colossians chapter 3. And we've really encouraged people about the importance of the Word of God and getting a word. And once God puts something in your heart, that if you will let it stay in your heart and if you'll nurture it, it's got the potential of just totally transforming. Man, the word that God gave Mike and Caroline back there, isn't that awesome? They didn't take a treatment. I'm not against medical treatments. You aren't of the devil if you do that. But man, I think it's just awesome that they got a word from God. And it wasn't medicine. It wasn't herbs. It wasn't something like that. It was the word. And within seven months, that thing's gone. Isn't that great? That's the power that is in the seed. That's how powerful it is. So you've just got to discern, what is God saying to you? And I think a lot of people miss God's voice because they're looking for the dramatic. I didn't have time to go through the rest of the story with Elijah, but last night, you know, when we were talking about Elijah, later on he got uh, scared of the queen and he ran and he was wanting a word from God. And there was an earthquake it was so strong, it broke the rocks. There was a wind that was so strong, it was rolling boulders and breaking huge boulders. And there was all of these miraculous things, but it says that Lord wasn't in the earthquake or in the storm or in the fire. But there was a still, small voice that came and spoke to him. And he wrapped his face in his mantle and fell on his face before the Lord. You know, most time people are looking for the spectacular they want God to appear in a vision or an audible voice. But God, it's, He's different than most people think. He glorifies in doing things in subtle ways that it takes faith to perceive. When Jesus came to this earth, He could have come in some majestic way that would have overwhelmed the entire world. And yet He was born in a stable to poor parents, announced it to shepherds, some of the lowest people in society. He didn't announce it to the kings. When he rose from the dead, if it would have been me, man, there was hundreds of thousands of people in Jerusalem. I'd have just hovered over Jerusalem and let them see me raised from the dead. I'd have made them all bow the knee. I'd have appeared to Pilate, shook his bed and woke him up and said, are your hands clean now, Pilate? 
I'd have gone to the people who blindfolded him and spit in his face and said, prophesy if you're the Messiah. I'd have said, would you like me to tell you something? (laughs) He could have made everybody bow the knee. And yet Jesus never appeared to one person who wasn't already a believer. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. And people are missing God because they're looking for the dramatic and just ignoring the still, small voice of God in our heart. And God can communicate in the dramatic, in the spectacular, but that is not His preference. His preference is just to reveal things to you. And you have a still, small voice on the inside of every person. And here in Colossians chapter 3, this verse is a verse that God gave me about this time 43 years ago in my life, about this time of the year. Or no, it was a little bit after this, because March the 23rd, 1968, when I had my encounter, so it must have been like in April or possibly May of uh, 68. But I had fallen so in love with the Lord that I just was consumed with the Lord. And I was in my first year of college. I lost all desire to go to college. I got to where I hated college. I hated it with a passion. And I, my first response is just to quit. I didn't, want to, I didn't want anything in my life but God. And I was just going to quit college. And when I did, my mother hit the ceiling and everybody else told me I was of the devil. And so anyway, for two months, I stayed in college, but I hated it. And I was in turmoil. And anyway, I, I was with a group of people. We would stay up till 2 or 3 o'clock every morning just praying and studying the Word. And I was with a group of people and we came across Romans 14, 23 that says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And that was the first time that this had ever become a revelation to me. And I realized that I didn't want to be in school. I didn't feel like that was God's will for me. And I had started in that direction, but because of criticism, I'd backed off of it. And for two months, I'd remained in college hating every minute of it. I mean, I hated it. I don't have the words to tell you what I felt like. I hated being in college. And prior to that, I loved it. It was a great experience. I was out on my own. Everything was wonderful. And it's just like somebody turned a switch on the inside of me. I hated it. And uh, I had been doing it to honor my mother and because of all of the criticism of everybody else. And when I saw this scripture that whatsoever is not a faith is sin... Boy, that just rang my bell, and I realized that I wasn't going to school in faith. It wasn't what I felt like I was supposed to do, and I was living in sin. Indecision is sin. And when that happened, normally we stayed up till 2 or 3 in the morning. I went home about like 7 or 8, and I said, that's it. I'm not going to be in sin tomorrow. I'm going to make a decision. I'm either going to be in college because that's what God told me to do, or I'm going to quit regardless of the consequences, but I will not be in sin tomorrow. And I went home and I started praying and asking God for direction. And man, I was in total turmoil. Uh, I had a lot of conflict. And I was praying and saying, God, is this you telling me to quit school? Or is it, uh, you know, just my flesh and my own desires? And I was really struggling. And God gave me this verse. He led me to this in uh, May, I guess it was, of 1968, and in verse 15 it says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. And anyway, when I read that, 
I, I started studying it and looking up things. The word rule there comes from a word that we get umpire from. It's the uh, Greek word that we get umpire from. And it literally is talking about just like an umpire, like in baseball, they throw the ball and you may not be absolutely certain if that was a ball or a strike, but the umpire can't say, well, I'm not sure. Let's do it over. You know what? An umpire just has to make a decision. And then once it's made, you can't say, you know, I think I was wrong. Let's go back and instead of making this three balls and two strikes, let's make it one ball. And, you know, you can't do that. You, once you make a decision, it's done. You have to be decisive. You have to make a decision. And then you have to live with the consequences. You cannot change it. And this is what he's saying. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Galatians 5.22 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all these other things. You have peace in your heart. Your spirit, man, is constantly in peace, love, joy, all of these things. Now, your soulish person, your mind and your emotions is the part that gets upset and feels all of these things. But in your heart... Your heart isn't struggling with things. Your spirit, man, it's in your soulish realm that you struggle. And so what you've got to do is focus beyond your emotions and your mind. And you've got to get into that spirit realm where your mind is stayed on the Lord and discern which direction do you have peace. I don't know if you understood what I was saying, but that's really a powerful truth. Your spirit is always in peace, and if you aren't in peace, it's because the conflict is in your soul, and you've got to resolve these things. So I was seeing all of this, and I was praying, and I said, but God, I don't have peace in any direction. If I stay in school, I don't have any peace. If I leave school, I don't have peace, because this was back in 1968. It was during the height of the Vietnam War. I was getting $350 a month, Social Security, my dad's, from my dad's death as long as I was in school. So I had an economic reason to stay in school. If I quit school, I was going to be sent to Vietnam, which could uh, result in me being killed. I mean, you know, there was, there was some severe consequences. Plus, every person, my mother went over two weeks without speaking to me when I first told her I was going to quit school. And when I finally, I just forced her, I took her out and bought her a steak. And I said, you are going to talk to me. And she started crying and she says, I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. And that's the way she started talking to me. <laughs> and it was bad. And I actually was threatened with being excommunicated from our church if I left school saying God told me to leave school. Some of you may think that's an exaggeration, but we had a highbrow Baptist church that had the doctors from the seminary come over and education was everything. In my family, I am the first person in generations that didn't finish school. Every person in my family, aunts, all except one uncle was a farmer and his wife was a teacher. Every other person, my dad, my mother, my brother, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, everybody has been a school teacher for generations. And it was just bad news for me not to go to school and not to be a teacher. And so anyway, I had a lot to lose. And as I was contemplating these things, I had zero peace about staying in school, but I didn't have peace about quitting either. And so I was having a hard time letting the peace of God rule. And I prayed over this. And here's basically the way that the Lord helped me to resolve this. You don't have to do it exactly the way I did. I'm just, this is my testimony. And the Lord just spoke to me and he says, if somebody put a gun to your head and said, choose, 
And if you choose wrong, I'm going to pull the trigger, you die. If you had to make a decision right now, which I did, because I wasn't going to be in sin tomorrow. And if I had to make a decision, and if it was going to mean life or death, which it had a very real possibility of being life or death, then which decision would I make? Well, I didn't feel total peace in any direction, but I felt zero peace about staying in school. And the one that I had to go with was the one that God had put this desire in my heart to quit school and to just trust Him regardless of the consequences. And I made my decision that night and I said, you know, to the best of my ability, I believe that God has called me to quit school. And so I made that decision and said, that's it. And I went to bed and I slept good. And I just made that decision. And then the next day, this is what I was referring to last night. You've got to put motion to your boat that a rudder can't give direction unless there's some movement. It doesn't have to be full steam ahead, but you've got to be moving a little bit and then that thing can start doing something. I decided I'd go test the waters. I had made my decision and what I would do is start heading in that direction before I, before I uh, you know, just quit school, before I told everybody... I decided there was three people I selected to go tell about my decision. And these were the three people that were the most violent towards me, that I mean ridiculed me, made fun of me, and had told me you're absolutely stupid. One of them was a school teacher, a choir teacher that I had in high school. And she was a Christian, real outspoken Christian. And we had a fairly good relationship as a teacher and student, you know. And uh, even after I left uh, high school... I still was in touch with this lady, and she was one of my mother's best friends. I'd known her. I grew up with her because my mother was a school teacher. So uh, when I told Miss Ellis, Miss Ellis got on me like a chicken on a June bug, I think, thinking that she was defending my mother and helping my mother, and she just began to tell me, you're stupid. You're, this is the worst decision you've ever made, and she just blasted me when I told her that I felt like God had told me to quit school. But after I'd made this decision, I went and saw her first. And I walked into class and got her in between classes. And I told her, I said, Miss Ellis, I have made my decision. And she says, what's your decision? And I said, I'm quitting school. God told me to quit school. And I was braced, waiting on, waiting on whatever came. And she just looked at me and started crying. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, I'd give anything to be like you. And I said, you would? And she, she said... I, you know, I don't know. When I was a kid, it looked like she was probably 70 or 80 back then. <laughs> she was at my mother's funeral in 2009, and she was 92 then, so I don't know how old she But anyway, she probably was only 40 or 50. I thought she was ancient. But uh, she said, I'm X number of years old, and I don't know for sure that I've ever done what God told me to do. And she says, man, how wonderful it would be to be 18 years old and know that God has spoken to you and told you what to do. And she said, I'd give anything to be like you. And man, when I left there, I was about that eye off the ground. I was like, wow, this is God. God has led me. And then I went to my music director at uh, the church, our youth and music director, and he told me this is absolutely of the devil. He used all scriptures on me. And I went and told him. He's the guy that if any of you have heard my testimony the night that the Lord changed my life, he's the one that prayed and talked to the Lord so personally that it was 
you know, like a personal conversation, and I got upset because he prayed first, and there was nothing left for me to say, and that's how, that's how God turned my life around was through him. And anyway, Marion, I went and talked to Marion, and I, Marion is a very, very strong individual, and uh, I expected him to just rail on me, and he had a similar response about, I believe this is God. And did you know, with, by the time I got through visiting those three people, with, by, the, by noon of the next day, I had just started in that direction, testing the waters to see if this is really what the peace of God to, it would bear witness. And uh, I mean, by noon, I was absolutely certain that this was God. I dealt with all of the consequences. I did uh, get some people mad at me. I did lose my money from the government. I did get drafted. I did get sent to Vietnam. And I tell you what, in retrospect, it was all the best thing that ever could have happened. I was a Baptist when I went into the army, and when I came out, I wasn't. And I didn't mean to change. I just got to study in the Bible and found out it didn't match up. And I just changed accidentally. Amen. It turned out that Vietnam's one of the best things that ever happened to me. It was awesome. I came out of there a lot stronger than I was before. But it all started with, I had God put a desire in my heart. The way that God really spoke to me, I never did have God tell me to quit school. I never did have God tell me these things. It all started by when I had this experience with the Lord, I just lost my desire for anything but God. And what God wanted me to do. In uh, Proverbs chapter, or excuse me, in Psalms chapter 37, verse 4. Let me just read this uh, to you. Psalms 37, 4. Let me just start reading from the first verse. It says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass shall they wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of... Of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. That fourth verse says, When you delight yourself in the Lord, which we could spend a lot of time, but that's just talking about putting God first. When you are really committed to God, I love you, I want you more than anything else, then it says, He shall give you the desires of your heart. This doesn't mean He's going to give you whatever you lust for. If you want somebody else's wife, He's going to give you them. You can go out and win the lottery. You can uh, do all of these things. This is saying that when you put God first, He puts His desires in your heart. He changes the desires of your heart. When I made this commitment to the Lord, March the 23rd, 1968, and I mean I ran up a white flag, I absolutely surrendered, turned my life over to God 100%. Boom, like that. My desires were totally different. Things that before, it was all about being out with my friends and having fun and doing things. I didn't care about any of that. All I wanted was God and God's will for my life. Instantly, my direction for my life, I'd been real excited about college up until that time. And instantly, I knew that college wasn't what God had for me. And my desires just changed on a dime. You know what that was? That's God speaking to you. 
He puts His desires in your heart. The way God speaks to you is through the desires. I mentioned this briefly last night, but you know, people come up and they say, oh, I want to come to Bible college more than anything else. Would you just pray with me and see if it's God's will? If you have the desire for Bible college, it's because God put it in your heart. The devil doesn't give you the desire to go to Bible college. Your flesh doesn't have a desire to go to Bible college. If you've got the desire, why do you think you have it? It's God speaking to you. This is how he communicates. You know, I had known for years that I would eventually be on television. I just knew it. I had people prophesy it to me. I'd been a guest on other people's television programs. And when I was a guest, they would have the biggest response they'd ever had. There was just an anointing for television, but I didn't have the desire to do it because I knew it was expensive I wasn't at the place. It just wasn't time. And I knew for at least 20 years I'd be on television, but it wasn't time. And people had tried to get me to it. A man right here in Colorado Springs that owns three television programs would put, I mean, television stations would put me on his three stations free. And he offered that to me for over 10 years. And I told him no, because I didn't have any desire to do it. And then in the summer of 1998, it's just, I can't explain it, but my desires change. Boom, just like this. If you'd have asked me the week before, you know, would you ever go on television? Well, someday, but not now. I had no desire to do it. And the next week, I was overcome with desire. I got to where I couldn't sleep. I sat down and actually started drawing out what a set would look like. And it was very, very similar to the set that Stephen designed for our television program. And I was so excited about it. And I just, all of a sudden, I had to do it. And the desire, the, the flip-flop in my desires was so dramatic that to me, I knew it was God. But it was such a big decision. And it was so costly to be on television that it could have totally destroyed our ministry. So I waited for a couple of months. I shared it with Jamie. And, you know, a lot of the decisions that I've made... Uh, Jamie has just gone along with me. Like when I started on radio, Jamie didn't want to go on radio. That was, one, that was a problem in our marriage. She says, you're going to destroy everything. We were eating for the first time in our life, and I was going to spend $700 a month to go on a radio station in Dallas, Fort Worth, and she says, it'll kill us. And she didn't want to do it. And finally, she just came to a place, well, if you feel that that's what God wants you to do, I'll go along with it. And so I started on radio. When we started this Bible school, Jamie wasn't excited about it. But she says, you know what? If that's what God called you to do, I'll do it. So I shared this idea about going on television with Jamie. And Jamie says, that's God. I mean, that was such a miraculous response. I thought, boy, what a confirmation. This is God. Amen. But still, how do you do it? We had to have $153,000 to even get started. That's what I had set aside to hire a person to start building a set to get some equipment, which, you know, really is, is probably one-tenth of what we could have spent. But that's just what I came up with. And that was like six months' income for us at that time. It was huge. And so I was just saying, all right, God, I'm heading this direction. I'd made the decision in my heart, but how do you do it? And I waited for two or three months, and I had two people who were very influential in my life come to me separate from each other, individually, just us together, and they prophesied, and they said, God told me it's time for you to start on TV. 
And I had so many confirmations that we went ahead and started, man, it's just been supernatural. But you know how all that heart started? God didn't say, thus saith the Lord, Andrew, you shall go on TV. I just didn't want to be on TV. And then all of a sudden I did want to be on TV. And I was so excited about it. That's all I could think about. And I was drawing the set and thinking about how would we minister? What would we do? God did all that just through a desire. When I started this school, I never wanted a school because I'd seen people that have graduated from Bible school. And uh, I didn't want to have my name associated with that. And... Yet I felt a desire to disciple people and I was frustrated. How do you do it? And I was in England in 1993 and in one day's time I saw how we could have a Bible school that would be different than other Bible schools that wouldn't just teach knowledge but it would actually impart uh, revelation and it would impart integrity and we it would be an interactive type of thing and we would give people experience. And when I saw it, and saw the potential of it, I mean, boom, like that. In the morning, I didn't want a Bible school. By night, I had to have a Bible college. And that was in June, and if it would have been up to me, I'd have started the Bible college in August of 1993. But my board and everybody else put the brakes on and said, you better get some teachers first. You better decide what you're going to do. And so we waited a year, but... Man, I mean, I was hot to try it. I had to have a Bible college, and it was all through desire. God never spoke to me about having a Bible college. It was all through desire. So anyway, I share these things just to share with you that we've been emphasizing the Word of God and how you get a Word from God. But people are waiting on God to write your name or a message in the sky or a dog to walk up and bark out what you're supposed to do. Or some of you have been asking, if this is really God, let me see two cats and one dog walk across the road. And, uh, you know, you're asking for stuff like this. You're asking for a fleece like Gideon. Let the, let the fleece be wet and the ground dry. Man, when you start putting fleeces out, you're liable to get fleeced. That's not the way that it works. In the New Covenant, God speaks to you by just putting desires in your heart and you let the peace of God rule in your heart. God speaks to you in a still, small voice. And I know that some of you, this is scary because you've never done this. You've always... You know, there's a lot of people that say, well, if this is God's will, then let my house sell. Let somebody call me today. Let this happen. And you're putting all of these things out. That is not a very good way of discerning the will of God. I'm telling you, this is the way that God has spoken to me. We could have all of these people up here verify this. How God leads you is if you are truly delighting yourself in the Lord. That's the issue. Have you really committed yourself? Is your delight truly in the Lord? If you are delighting yourself in the Lord, then God will put in your heart His desires. If you aren't putting God first, you can't follow your desires because there's no telling what you're wanting. But if you are truly seeking God, if you are sold out to God 100%, then what is it that you want to do? Do it. Amen. I've had people come into my office before and they say, it's getting ready, to, it's getting to the end of the second year and I don't know what God wants me to do. I had a woman just within the last month or so come into our office saying this exact same thing about I don't have any direction yet. And I said, oh, God's speaking to you. And they said, no, I don't know what God wants me to do. And I said, so I just started asking them questions. And I said, so what do you really, what excites you? 
What do you really like? I said, do you, you want to be an evangelist? Do you see yourself ministering to unbelievers or stuff? She said, oh no, I want to reach Christians and tell Christians about what they have in Christ and help disciple people and mature them. I said, you know what? You've got direction from God right there. I said, that desire is your direction. I said, do you see yourself ministering in the United States or do you see yourself overseas? And she says, man, I've always dreamed of being overseas and ministering to the poor and doing things. And I said, well, then you've already narrowed it down. You aren't going to preach. It's not going to be an evangelist. You're going to be a teacher. You're going to be overseas. And I just started asking question after question. And did you you know by the time we got through, this woman had enough direction to go out and actually start a ministry. And she had all of these things in her heart, but she just didn't know that it was God. These were just my desires. Man, that's how God speaks to you. God places desires in your heart. And this is how God leads you. And then, if, you, if you're like me, and if there's really negative consequences that are a potential of your decision, you may not feel total peace, but which way do you feel the most peace? You know, if you come out here, and if you make a decision to come, I'm not telling you that it's just going to be bells and whistles and fireworks the whole time you're here. You might get here and, boy, think, what have I done? What am I going to do? You may have some feelings that will be contrary. But look at it this way. If you stay where you are and don't come, how are you going to be? Are you going to regret it the rest of your life? Are you going to sit there and wonder what might have been, could have been? You may not have total peace in either, either direction. It was like me when I quit school. I knew that there was a lot of potential problems. I lost a lot of friends. I got eventually kicked out of that Baptist church because I quit school and said God told me to do it. They kicked me out. And I lost friends. I lost a lot of things. But you know what? I've looked back and I have never, ever, 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 ever regretted it. One second. Man, my life has been exciting. And God has done awesome things. And it all started by just something as simple as when I made a complete commitment of my life to the Lord, my desires changed. And then those desires were leading me in a direction that it brought me to a place. I've got to make a decision now. And if I don't make a decision, it's sin. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And how did I do it? I just let the peace of God rule in my heart and forget the rest, hang the rest, Man, if it costs me my life, who cares? I'd rather, I'd rather start following God and have the peace of God in my life than to stay in a secure, safe place. And you know what people don't understand is you're safer doing what God told you to do than you are in your what you consider safe place. The very first missions trip that our students ever took was to Ireland. And the husband of one of our students lived out here east of town, out on the flatlands in Callahan. And he was afraid of flying. And he would not give his wife permission to go on this missions trip because he was so afraid of flying. And he wouldn't let her go. And so she stayed here. Did you know we flew over there, were safe, and came back? And while we were gone, Deanne, Sarah, his wife, uh, a boy fell asleep at the wheel of a car and came across and hit her head on and killed her a mile from her house. She would have been safer doing what God told her to do 
than staying here. Right after the 9-11 attacks, one of our biggest partners, our biggest partner at the time, his daughter was going to um, Afghanistan for a medical mission. And they were just possibly going to bomb Afghanistan. This is right after 9-11. And he got me on the phone and got his daughter on the phone. And he says, you tell her that she doesn't have any business going to Afghanistan. And so I talked to her for a while and I asked her and she says, I know that this is what God has called me to do. I've been planning on it for years. And even though these attacks have happened, I know that God still wants me to go. And so in the face of our largest partner on the phone, I said, she'd be safer in Afghanistan than she'll be in the United States operating out of fear. But if that's where God tells her to go. I tell you, all of God's blessings, all of God's provision is where God called you to be, not where you are. And so I just want to encourage you that if God has been speaking to you, if you have this desire, you need to sit down and just let the peace of God rule in your heart and then do it. And you'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. Man, this is going to change your life. I'm excited. I have to tell people when I'm excited because this I always look the same way. But I am very, very excited. Amen. I believe God's changing people's lives. Amen. Isn't that awesome? All right, so last night I took a little straw poll with no commitment. Today I want to ask, how many of you are going to commit to coming to school? Could I... Let's have you just stand up. Those of you that are going to commit to come to school. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this awesome? Praise the Lord. Isn't that great? God bless you. And you know, I'd like, I know that not everybody's supposed to come here. Probably the majority, but not everybody. But you know, if you don't feel like God's leading you here for whatever reason, that's fine. You need to be where God told you to be. And you need to let the peace of God rule in your heart. No pressure. But you know, if some of you aren't feeling called to be here, but if you saw some of these people stand up, man, I think you could be a blessing. That if you aren't being led to be here, some of you could give them their registration money or help them or do something and or bless other people. I encourage you to just let God uh, use you and guide you. But I believe this is going to change these people's lives. You know, I, I've talked to a couple of our students just in the last week and heard their stories about what it took for them to get here. And I am just amazed. I'm amazed that people would make this degree of a commitment and change their entire life. I think that the people that do this, these are really the heroes today. We put Michael Jordan and sports figures on magazines and people that have no character in the entertainment industry and these are the role models. But I tell you what, the people who would sit there and turn your life around, leave family and friends and security to come here so that you could put God first. I believe that you're the ones that we need to honor. I believe that, man, heaven is rejoicing. And, and there are so many miracles that are beginning. Right now, today, there's seeds being planted. If the Lord tarries 15, 20, 30 years from now, there will be nations being changed. Miraculous things happening because of decisions that you're making right now. Isn't that wonderful? Man, this is a, this is a supernatural day of destiny 
for so many people. And we don't have the ability to perceive what it's going to mean. But it's going to, we'll look back someday and think about all of the people that have come through CBC, the lives that have been changed, and we'll recognize that this was something that God was doing. It's awesome. Amen. Let me just pray for all of you before I let you go here. Father, I love you and I thank you for being with us this week. Thank you for speaking through every person who's gotten up here and spoken. Father, thank you for the word, the seeds that have been imparted the hearts that have opened up and received these seeds. And Father, for these people that have been making these decisions, that have made the commitment to come, Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that this is going to change their life forever. Thank you, Father. And by faith, we just praise you in advance for the miracles that are going to happen in them, in their family, through them to other people. Father, thank you that this has the potential of changing this nation and other nations. Father, thank you for the awesome things that are taking place right here. We give you the praise and the honor. And we just thank you so much, Father, for the things that you are doing. And now we pray, Father, for all of the decisions, all of the logistics of of the decisions that they've made. We believe that you give them favor, that you give them wisdom. Thank you that there will be supernatural things happen to enable them to fulfill what you've called them to do. And Father, we just praise you in advance and thank you for all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Gary, is there any instructions we have about them registering? I guess the next hour is going to be for registration. You want to... And also, for those of you that aren't coming to school, you are not second class. That just means God didn't tell you to come. He's got some other plan for you, amen. And we appreciate you coming and being a part of it. We really, really do. Kim, what have you got to say? Right there's a microphone. Okay, we have a room set up where the product was in the CBC table. We have tables and uh, chairs there, and we have people there to help you. If you are registering today, we just want to encourage you. You don't even need to take a break. You want to run over there and uh, sign up. And um, so there will be people there to help you out and uh, answer any questions that you might have. So we just appreciate everybody coming for this, uh, this entire week. It's been good. Thank you very much. God bless you. You're dismissed.